welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's podcast is called Get Out of Your Own Way, and it's inspired from an entry in the Bhagavad Gita from chapter 5, The Way of Renunciation. The Bhagavad Gita says, I do nothing at all, thinks the yogi, the knower of truth, for in seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, and tasting, in walking, breathing, and sleeping, in speaking, emitting, and seizing, in opening and closing the eyes, he is assured that it is only the senses busied with their objects. I know that is a mouthful of a sutra to explain, but basically one of the guiding concepts of most spiritual practices is this idea to step into the internal witnessing aspect of yourself. And a very powerful technique to move towards the internal witness time and time again is to contemplate the idea that you are not the doer that there is something much higher and greater than you that is coursing through your veins and causing action to happen. When we think we are the ones doing everything, we immediately forget the bigger picture of how divine grace or divine current flows through all of our lives. The idea of I am not the doer is the idea that we literally get out of our own way with our mind and our ego and we simply watch what comes out of us because whatever our highest truth is whatever we are feeling called to do will naturally spring up from inside of us and manifest outwardly in the form of action what determines what we feel called or inspired to do is by and large our karmic sanskaras or our karmic imprints from previous lifetimes. And if we start to look at things with a bigger picture mentality, we realize that we don't oftentimes have a choice towards what we are compelled to do in this lifetime. I know for me personally, I don't love being the center of attention. I kind of hide from it. I tend to be quite shy until you know me, and then you realize I'm nuts. But until that moment, I can be very quiet. So for me, being a yoga teacher was not naturally my first job choice, if you will. I much preferred working one-on-one with people in the bodywork context. Anyway, no matter how much I resisted this idea of standing up in front of people to teach yoga, no matter how much I resisted it, I kept feeling compelled to share my yoga practice and what I had learned from much higher teachers with others. And it felt like I was compelled to do this from a force that was beyond me, yet was flowing through me. And this is what I would come to call divine grace. Whenever I first started teaching yoga, I would get so nervous to stand up in front of people. I would sweat in my palms. I would feel really 
uncomfortable, like I had to pee even if I didn't. And once I was around the people, I would almost forget about their humanness. One day I was exposed to this idea that I am just a conduit for the teachings to flow. You know, all the time before that, I thought, no, I've got to like create the perfect class. I have to spend three hours writing a sequence and get everything just right. I have to stress about what would they think of me? I hope I do a good job. All of those things were blocking the creative force of the universe from flowing through me. I was coming from my ego. The very thought of caring what someone else thinks is based in our ego, basically. So this idea that I am not the doer, I am simply the conduit for energy to flow through me, it kind of lit me up, it opened my eyes. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not about me at all. Me teaching yoga is because I am feeling compelled to do this from a higher source. And that higher source dwells within every single cell and fractal of light in this universe. But the ego and the mind do a fantastic job of tricking us into the idea that that's not the case. So when we really learn to get out of our own way, basically in kind of a higher spiritual jargon, what we're talking about is putting the ego down and moving our energy more towards our heart more towards what we naturally feel called to do. I'm not saying abandon the ego completely because that suppression can lead to more and more blockage in the denial that the ego exists and will continue to exist in 99% of us for the rest of this lifetime, at least. But just the idea that the ego doesn't have to rule our life. Like the ego is what cares what other people think. The ego is what fills us with negative self-talk because we don't look a certain way or we don't feel a certain way in our minds. The ego is the one that when you're depressed says, do something about this. You can't be depressed. You have to change how you are. Pretend to be happy at least. That's all the ego. The reality is depression is equal to happiness if we look at it from a spiritual vantage point. Every single experience we can have in our emotional body is essentially a teaching. The ego comes in and tries to enforce this cookie cutter idea onto ourselves about how we should be. And as long as we are trying to live up to those expectations, we think we are the ones who are doing everything. We think we are the ones that cause things to happen, like rainbows in the sky or a falling star. That's utter nonsense. It's bullshit. Life is happening constantly. It's that sometimes we get to step outside of ourselves and look around and realize it. So stepping out of the ego is to realize everything is happening in perfect alignment with how things should be. And that there is actually nothing we can do, essentially, to change the course of things. Now, I'm sure someone out there is saying, that's nonsense. When it comes to politics, I can vote. I can help change the outcome. 
Or if I don't like genetically modified organisms, I can go protest. And my presence at the protest will let it be known that GMO is, quote, bad. Which, of course it is. It's fucking poison. Don't ever eat GMO food again, kids, if you can help it. Public service announcement. Anyway, back on track. The energy moving against GMOs was already happening in the universe. It was already unfolding before it manifested into material form. It's that all of a sudden we catch on and say, yeah, I don't like GMOs either. Let me go protest. But the way things are unfolding in this life, they're happening organically. So yes, why would you feel compelled to go fight against GMOs? Because you are being compelled by a higher source. And so if you feel compelled to go fight against GMOs by marching whenever there's the marches happening in town or wherever you live, then you trust that feeling of compulsion and you follow the urge and you do it. And simply by trusting what you feel, following the course of action, you are in alignment with your highest spiritual path. No matter what we do, we actually stay in alignment with our higher spiritual path. But in my opinion, if we can keep following our feeling, following the urges we have inside, we take a more direct route towards truly knowing who we really are. So the idea of I am not the doer or I do nothing at all, thinks the yogi, the knower of truth is the idea of simply this. Set aside the stories in the mind. Set aside all of the egoic pressure that you may or may not be putting on yourself and show up for what's actually happening already within you. And ride that wave skillfully like a professional surfer surfs all kinds of waves in a different but beautiful way. That's how you can surf the waves of energy and drive and desire that are coming up within you. The idea that we can stifle our desires and that they will go away is known as suppression. And suppression only leads to those desires becoming so strong that they flow out of us anyway. So rather than taking the long road to the goal of knowing who you truly are, you trust how you're feeling and follow the urge towards affirmative outward action. But you don't have to do anything. If it's something really true to your heart, something that you feel so called to do that you just can't help but do it, there won't be any effort needed. The energy will come to you automatically to do it. You will move towards it simply by opening yourself to this higher divine conduit that is always knocking on your door saying, are you ready for me to flow through you yet? Are you ready to acknowledge I'm here? And as soon as we open our mind to stepping back and observing and receiving, rather than forging ahead and trying to achieve, which is chasing the sunset, which you won't ever catch, ever. If you just get out of your own way, you will live all of your dreams because you won't be fighting them anymore. You'll be embracing the call. And when your heart is open and your mind is open too, 
you only have the ability to follow your highest callings. It's when we close our heart and close our mind that we lose the ability to even know what our truth is. And the truth is kind of like the divine current. It's always right there, knocking on your door, waiting to be seen. We can experience the truth on so many ways, sometimes even just having a little bit of a psychedelic and all of a sudden you realize 10 years worth of things that you've been trying to figure out. Was it the psychedelic or was it the perspective shift the psychedelic allowed you to have? It was the perspective shift. When we believe that things we put in our body make us feel certain ways, we also suppress our natural urges. For example, if you want to drink kombucha, drink kombucha. You don't have to assign a meaning to what kombucha does to you, right? Of course, there are scientific facts, but if you think kombucha is good for you, your body will have a good response. There was a time where I started thinking kombucha was bad for me, and all of a sudden, every time I would drink kombucha, I would get itchy rash on my chest. As soon as I changed my mind about what kombucha was for me, I've been able to drink it ever since. And this is how all things in life are, whether it be kombucha or a psychedelic. So going back to the psychedelic, because this is interesting and I'm sure some people are thinking, whoa, where is this going? That's fine. There's this story in Be Here Now about Ram Das's guru, whom I believe was Neem Karoli Baba. I could be wrong though. It's been a while. But anyway, this was back during the hippie era. And Ram Das brought his guru this entire eyedrop vial full of LSD. And they go and give it to the guru for him to look at. And the guru takes the entire vial and drinks it, which was hundreds of hits of acid. And all of his disciples freaked out. They thought, oh my gosh, Guruji's in trouble. What do we do? And the guru just sat there and laughed at them and said, you're so foolish to think that anything external or outside of myself could have an effect on me. And the guru was unaffected by taking hundreds of hits of acid. His disciples were in total disbelief. And this is the level of realization that we can all get to if we apply ourselves just right. It's to realize Anything that we put in our body or our mind can be neutral if we are in a neutral space ourselves. And my point with this is that when you allow yourself to move towards neutrality, then you surrender to the higher urges and longings that you have within yourself. It's when you're in a fight or flight state, you push your urges away out of fear, or who knows what else. Whenever we can open to neutrality, the power of observing and witnessing life from a neutral space of peace, suddenly we are at ease with whatever we are feeling called to do. So going back to this entry in the Bhagavad Gita, I do nothing at all, thinks the yogi, the knower of truth. 
For in seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, and tasting, in walking, breathing, and sleeping, he is assured that it is only the senses busied with their objects. So this entry is hinting at the idea that if you can get into the witnessing state, suddenly everything that is you are seemingly doing, you actually feel like it's doing you. Like instead of you consciously breathing, the breath is breathing you. When you're there eating a meal, instead of thinking you're the one eating, watch the food eat you. So it's this attitude of surrender. Whenever you're being caressed by your beloved, step outside of yourself and notice the feeling without attaching to it. Surrender to where the energy in your body wants to go rather than uphold all these stories about why you cannot. This idea of surrender and witness comes up again and again in all the spiritual traditions of the world and quite possibly beyond. It says in speaking, emitting, and seizing, in opening and closing the eyes, he is assured that it is only the senses busied with their objects. Our five senses reach outwardly into the world most of the time, unless we spend a great deal of our time in spiritual practice. Our five senses seem to be affected by the external world. And the way our senses are affected by the external world is based on our belief systems about what the external world does to us. So for example, when I was a beginner at teaching yoga, I would feel the deep nervousness. I would worry about what people would think of me. I would be shy and maybe not shine my full power. I was caught in the sensory input. Once I realized I could get out of my own way and simply let the teachings flow through me, I began to not be so affected by the input I received from my senses. So even if a student said something to me that I didn't want to hear, for example, it didn't shake me from the foundation of knowing I was simply channeling a higher energy and letting it come out of me. Whether people approved of me or not didn't really matter anymore because I was simply able to trust that the energy flowing through me and out of me into the world was in alignment with my highest truth. And when we fully trust that we are in alignment with our highest truth, then doubt cannot creep in and stop and sabotage us from what we're doing. If we have doubt, then we are actually doubting what our own highest urge is. It's natural for doubt to arise. It's only human. So even for me, when I started to become a little bit more proficient in my teaching, I started to teach yoga workshops. I did my first workshop in the Caribbean and then went on to do many, many workshops in Hawaii and other places where I don't necessarily know everyone who's going to be present with me in the workshop. And I used to really doubt 
my offering before I would go and teach it. I would go over it again and again and look at how it could be a little bit more perfected, which of course anyone will do who's worth their salt in their craft. But I would do this to the point of my mind feeling blank. Like all of the things I was trying to make sure were put in my mind, all those things I was trying to make sure were there, they seemingly would fall into a bottomless pit. Why? Because I was so caught in the sensory feeling in my body of nervousness and doubt, and doubt feels very heavy in the body, it feels stifling, that I would forget, oh wait, I am channeling this. Because workshops are kind of a next level with teaching. They're harder than teaching a regular group class, in my opinion. It takes more time. You need to be more thorough and break things down better, right? So it's like even once I move past the doubt of me teaching group classes, and I thought, yes, I am the channel. Everything is flowing through me. That doubt found a way to creep back in at a later date. And again, I had to face it. So I'm not saying this path isn't without some slippery slopes. Sometimes we backfall. On a day-to-day basis, we might move from knowing we're not the doer to feeling like we have to do everything. And it can fluctuate many times, even across the span of one minute. But for me, I just kept reminding myself when I would teach workshops, just get out of the way. Do the best to memorize your stuff and then close the notebook and leave it. And I've committed to that. And now when I lead workshops, I don't have any fear because I know that everything I've prepared, everything that needs to happen for that group is going to flow out of me in exactly the way it should. So the opposite of doubt is trust. And that's part of how we get out of our own way is we just learn to trust ourselves Trust what is flowing through you and wants to reach out into the world and just open the doors of your heart and let it flow through you. I just taught a workshop this past weekend and I actually noted to myself, wow, you're not nervous at all. You are so relaxed. And I've noticed since I've been able to relax more and more in my workshops, people get crazier and crazier. They have fun. They laugh. The group is cracking up. They're making breakthroughs. So our ability to get out of our own way naturally teaches others how to do the same thing for themselves. It's just like having a lot of compassion or love in your heart. When you walk into a room, you light it up same thing if you are in a habit of being in a very neutral peaceful state an accepting state a receptive state then that energy will be perceived by others and naturally they will relax too for me everything I do for myself I have this deeper motivation that I'm actually doing it to help others as well Not that I'm the one helping others. I know that it's this higher divine energy that is rising from within me that other people can feel. And the thing about this really kind of channeling type energy is everything I do always comes out better if I can be the conduit and channel 
rather than think I'm trying to do something. Even these podcasts, there's no way I could do them. I have to channel this. It's not prepared. There's no notes, nothing. I just sit here and I wait for the internal prompt to turn the recorder on. And then I say whatever is flowing from my third eye out of my mouth. So contemplate this. Imagine what you would dare to do if you realized that failure is not an option. As long as you are following your heart and your highest urges that are your highest desires that constantly show up in your mind all the time, then you are successful. Even if you are met with externally what seems like failure, just keep trusting yourself. Keep moving forward with what you feel. I always relate this back to yoga because it's what's closest to my heart in the realm of this channeling and being the conduit vibe. Maybe I have a workshop that only has a few people show up. I don't quit teaching workshops. I trust the next one might have more. It might not. This actually happened this month. I had a lot of people come to my last workshop and I was pretty blown away because things have been challenging here since the lava started and a many of my students have left or relocated to different places, different islands. So whenever I saw all of these friends and students from the past show up for this workshop, my heart really opened. And instead of me getting nervous, like I might have in the past, if met with surprise, I surrendered. I received them all warmly, and I offered my heart in the workshop. And no, not everything I planned got done, but I have to trust in myself that what we did do was exactly what the group needed. So being the conduit is this idea that you trust that what is happening is in divine order. And the more you can trust that divine order, the more you become capable of surrendering when life knocks on your door. You will be able to open it and greet life with a wide open heart. So what would you dare to dream to do in your life if you knew that you didn't have to do anything at all but follow your deepest longings and urges? To me, that sounds like a perfect life. I know we can't always spend our whole life doing this. Some of us have realities to face. Like maybe we don't make enough money and we have to work a lot so we can't follow our urges. I mean, that's the main one. At least that's been the main blockage for me in my life. The issue of not ever quite having enough money, but making it still. And what I've started to realize over time is I just start to do what I love when I'm not working. The reality is I actually love what I do, everything I do. But there are certain things that I feel called to do right now that haven't quite manifested for me. 
So what I do is I spend some of my free time working on those things. And it doesn't feel like work because I love it so much that it just kind of flows. It happens and it's fun. And what I've noticed, because I've done this in the past with other things like teaching yoga, the more I lean into what I want to do, the more abundance starts to flow to me in relation to doing what I want to do truly. And this isn't just in the realm of work. But I really like the idea of applying the I am not the doer concept towards our work because so many of us work jobs that we don't like and it makes us miserable. So think about this even. If you're working that job you don't like, what if you witnessed yourself do your daily tasks at that job? Could it become a lighter experience? Would you be able to surrender to your reality of working that job a little more if you realize that you just have to simply observe all day and let the body and the senses be busied with their objects? The objects could be the computer typing on it or going into the break room and pouring a cup of coffee, drinking the coffee, observe it, feel it deeply, notice it. The idea to just take notice of what you're feeling and experiencing in the moment helps put you into that neutral state of observation. And the more you can move into that neutral state of observation, the more you can show up for doing the things you've only dreamed about in your wildest dreams. This enables people to get up on stage and perform to 20,000 people. The idea that there's a point where you've got to trust what you know and surrender and let it flow out of you is the idea of greeting life when it knocks on your door. Because the alternative is to always say no to life. And the more we say no to things, the more we close our creativity, our love, and our passion down. And passion and love and creativity are the juice in life. They're what make us feel like life is worth living. So especially if fear comes up or feelings of not being good enough come up around doing what you love to do, just take 10 steps back and notice those feelings rise, but do what you feel compelled to do anyway. And eventually, with practice of doing what you love to do, Even if it's just expressing how you feel, you know, some people feel really blocked to do it, but yet all they want to do is share with others. Eventually, after practicing sharing, it becomes easy. It becomes easy to cry in front of other people, for example, when you feel the urge to cry. You realize you're not the one crying. It's just the senses busied with their objects. The object of the mind may be feeling sadness. Once you let the cry out, the sadness disperses. And this can apply with positive things too. I know sometimes I'll feel this like pre-podcast anxiety. And I've come to realize it's just my ego being like, oh, you got to do a good job. Once I do the podcast and surrender to the conduit, I remember, oh, right, this just happens naturally. I don't actually have to do anything except show up, open my heart, 
and let the current flow through me. I'll close this podcast with a brief parable from the Book of Seagulls by Osho. Two men were sentenced to death by a king. And the king said, The only way I will let you live is if you walk across this tightrope. And this tightrope was strung between two cha- a big chasm, a big canyon. And it was very high and very narrow. And neither of these condemned men had ever walked on a tightrope before. Anyway, it's time for the first man to walk across the tightrope. He steps onto it and just runs across it like it was the easiest thing in the world. The guy on the other side of the chasm who had yet to cross, the other condemned man, cupped his hands to his mouth and shouted across, Tell me, how did you do it? And the man replied, It was easy. When I started falling one way, I leaned the other. Essentially, the man got out of his head, out of his own way, and let the higher force flow through him. He surrendered to the moment, and because of his presence in the moment, he was able to nearly levitate across the tightrope. And this is how life is. When we can get out of our own way, we are capable of everything. Because the divine energy comes in myriad, unlimited forms. So by saying, I am not the doer, it's also saying, and I am open for the highest, most beautiful expression of myself possible. It's so beautiful that we don't even necessarily see what that is right now. But step by step, we can trust we are moving towards it. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma. Aloha.
Thank you. 